how can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got I to gotta check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. A baseball first podcast. Sort of. Featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is... I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch has got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Welcome into another episode of Booze and Baseball with Dusty Baker. I'm Derek Johnson. Episode 17 for us here. Episode 2 of the actual MLB season. And on today's show, we are going to play a new segment, a new game. It's called Drink, Drank, Drunk. We'll explain that for you in a bit. We'll have a shotgun six-pack as well. But first things first, Dusty, what are you drinking tonight? Yeah, uh, I've had a rough week. Uh, I've decided to just lose every single social media account I have. So... Um, sometimes you just got to go heavy on the, uh, the liquor. And today I, I went with vodka and I threw, uh, threw a little, little hint of uh, Red Bull in there too, but it's mostly vodka. So normally they'll say it's vodka, Red Bull. I would say it's vodka, 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 Red Bull. <laughs> all right. Not a bad one. I hope you're planning on staying up late with all the Red Bull that you're drinking. That was a tall glass setup. Okay. I'm drinking, I've, I've had a, I forget which one, but I've had a Boulevard beer on before, which is the Kansas city, Missouri brewing uh, company. Uh, the beer I have today is a Boulevard beer, but it is a chocolate ale. It's a limited release beer. Um, Ooh, I have not wow. tried this. So that sounds amazing. I think it'll be good. Probably tastes like a, like a stout you would imagine. Kind of like that in between. Yeah, that's very interesting. It is kind of like a stout. It's very interesting. It's it's like a stout. It's not like sweet chocolate. It's like dark chocolate. So it's not like, it's not sweet, which is good. Because I, so I didn't want it to it's good for your heart is what you're telling me. It's good for your heart to drink that then. It is just very good to taste. It's good for my tongue as well. That sounded weird coming out of my mouth. Um, but nonetheless, it is actually very good. I'm going to give that like a, hmm. Do I want to give it a double? Maybe I'll give it like a two RBI single. I don't know. Oh, wow, that's, yeah. that's pretty solid. So it, it comes in clutch, essentially, is what you're saying. Like when you need it the most, it's there. I mean, that sounds, that sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, see, it's one of those things where I can already tell the more I'm drinking this, it's going to be one of those beers where it's like you don't want to drink a bunch of these. Like one of these and you're good. It's a dessert beer. It's like the last beer you have, you're like nightcapper or whatever. It's heavy. So – I don't even know if I want to say RBI single. It's almost like, it's almost like a two out triple, you know, like it'd be nice if that would have been a home run and I would have scored a run. Now I'm kind of reliant on somebody else to bring me in, but it's still like a big hit and I'll gladly take a two out triple. 
That's a pretty hefty buy right there, I would say. Mine is uh, hit by pitch. I feel like I just got hit by a <laughs> pitch. And so this is, this is just going accurately with everything that's going on this week. So, uh, yeah, uh, for those of you listening at home, do not uh, go to my Instagram or my Facebook. <laughs> yeah, if you do, I guess report it that it's that it's been stolen. Okay, we're going to start a new thing starting with this show. We're going to every week do like a throw it back as you would throw back a beer, baseball stat of the week. So um, the day we're recording this is April 21st. I, I believe this is going to come out April 22nd. So I guess you're going to be going uh, back in time a little bit here. But on this day, April 21st of 1928, Guy Bush of the Chicago Cubs pitched a nine-inning complete game shutout of Cincinnati. He gave up just four hits, gave up just one walk in the process. Dusty. In that nine-inning complete game shutout of Cincinnati, Guy Bush had how many strikeouts? And before you answer, however many you're off is how many drinks you owe. But if you're right, I will finish this heavy beer. This is a this is a tough one because I, if I remember correctly, and first of all, I have to say Guy Bush did this on a, what would eventually be my brother's birthday. Happy birthday, oh, wow. Cody. <laughs> yeah, Cody's birthday on April the 21st. So uh, the day we're recording this, happy birthday to uh, my brother. Um but for Guy Bush, if I remember correctly, he pitched for the Cubs, and he had a pretty lengthy What do you career. mean, remember correctly? You weren't alive? This is remember 1928. Correctly. We study these things, DJ. <laughs> we study these things. No, you'll, you know how like, you'll hear Vince Scully tell stories and everything like that? Guy Bush is one of those names that was kind of thrown around. He's never – I don't think he was even in the running for a Cy Young, right? Is that right? I mean, but what I remember like hearing about was that he didn't have like anything dominant. Like, he just kind of – I, there was like a game where he gave up like nine home runs or something like that. I'm pretty sure. Um, so there was nothing significant about that. So the fact that he went nine innings, you would have to think that the K it's either stupidly high, um, which you could think like 12, but I'm going to probably go super low. I'm going to say he went either zero or one. I'm going to go zero. You're one off. He had just one strikeout in a nine inning complete game shutout. Did he really? Yeah. So you do. Finish my beer. Um, Do I owe a drink? Okay. I, I mean, I guess. Like, I, I feel like that was close enough that I would almost give it to you. But hey, drinks are fun. It's so. like a victory to me. I'll take that. Yeah, exactly. That's that's wild. Because think about it. Like, when is the last time that's happened that a pitcher has had a complete game with high velocity so much in the game now? Like, it's minimum you have I don't know seven strikeouts in nine innings. Well, one thing that you're looking at in the MLB right now too is I think a lot more pitchers trying to get the swings and misses, and so. Uh, obviously back in the day, what was Guy Bushing? You said he was pitching in uh, 1928. I mean, there was no such thing really as exit velocity or, you know, spin rate or everything. They were just trying to pitch deep in the games. And so their mentality wasn't so much, let me punch this guy out. It was, let me get through like these games and go as far as I can. So uh, it's not surprising. Uh, and that's part of the reason why I guess that was just because I don't think you probably saw that many high strikeouts back in the day, unless you had, I mean, the classic, like, Walter Johnsons of the world. But um, in general, I, I think that it's kind of a safer pick going lower on strikeouts. Uh, I, I don't have it off the top of my head, but I can't imagine Babe Ruth. I, I don't think that he had that high of a K for nine either. So um, just kind of looking back on that, I think it's uh, unique to see how things have changed over time. And, yeah, uh, I think that's kind of telling of where we're at right now. I mean, every ace, somebody that you consider an ace, has to have strikeout stuff. Uh, I don't think anybody goes around and says – Marco Gonzalez is an ace, even though this past week he pitched pretty dang well. 
Okay, we're going to get on to our segment. It's called Drink, Drank, Drunk. So what we're going to do, um, I guess we can do like a serpentine draft out of this. I don't want to take repeating teams. Uh, we'll give a drink, a drank, and a drunk. So the team we're picking as a drink is the team you're buying as a contender, the team you want to drink, so to speak. The team that you drank is a team that you may have thought was a contender before but no longer are kind of buying into that. And then drunk is a team that you do not think is a contender. And not only are they not a contender, but they're either like a disaster, they're drunk, or they're drunk in like a fun way. So they're like bad, but they're fun, if that makes sense. So the first one we'll do will be the drink teams. And I'll let you have the first pick. Um, what is your drink team, the team you're buying as a contender? I'm going to go to the, the city that drinks a lot, which is Milwaukee. Uh, I think the Brewers are kind of a team that I'm, I'm starting to drink on. I, I was not really high on them going into this, really, but uh, the pitching has just been absolutely lights out. Corbin Burns looks like he could win the Cy Young after just a couple weeks here. and it, You know how difficult it's going to be to stay healthy, especially for a guy that was not able to after 60 games. Remember, he didn't get a pitch uh, in the postseason, so – the way he's pitching right now is pretty phenomenal. You hope that he can stay healthy and have that paired with their number one guy going into the season, Brandon Woodruff. I, I mean, this team looks legit. That's maybe the best one-two punch in all of baseball. They got to get the bats going a little bit, but remember the trade deadline's there for you, and I have the perfect target for them. Trevor Story is not looking too great early on in the going here. How about a Trevor Story to the Brewers talk? That's something that I could potentially see moving forward. Well, I would love that move for them. I, I mean, they need kind of the power in the lineup, especially without uh, Christian Yelich, who, I mean, he's not going to be out too long. But the injury and, and certainly uh, certain guys that I think we thought were going to take steps forward this year. So far, Kesson Hira hasn't figured it out. I'm, I'm still in on him, but um, I think that would be a great move for them. Okay, I like that. I could be simple here and just take, like, the Dodgers and be like, oh, that's the drink. But that's kind of a boring move. So I'm going to take a team that um, – both of us were kind of in on compared to the odds in the off season. We thought it was too low. That would be the Boston Red Sox. They've had a hot start to the season. They're 12 and six. And maybe it's just confirmation bias for both of us that they're starting well after we both kind of liked the low odds for them, but they're a plus 30 run differential as well. That's second best in the MLB, which is only behind the Dodgers. By the way, the Brewers are in third in that regard at plus 24, at least to the time of recording here. The thing with the Red Sox, as we mentioned, they have a lot of kind of risky starting pitchers, but when they pitch, like they're actually good pitchers. And they actually, because of that, have a lot of those guys. They have some prospects that the pitching staff is at least deep, which is going to help them with that. Your guy, Kike Hernandez, has played well so far. J.D. Martinez, we mentioned on the last show, looks like he's back to being one of the elite hitters. They just have a good lineup when you look at, you know, Kike and J.D. Martinez and Bogarts, Verdugo, Devers. Uh, Christian Vasquez is really good hitting for a catcher. And then they have depth as well. Like when you look at guys like Marwin Gonzalez or Bobby Dahlbeck, Christian Arroyo, Hunter Renfro, Frenchy Cordero, these are guys who could be starting on other teams, but they're uh, more of rotational pieces for this team. So I really like the depth. I like the start they've had, and I'm kind of buying into it. Now, do I think they're a true World Series contender? Uh, maybe not, but do I think they're a team that's going to make the playoffs at this point? I do. So I'm going to give them my drink. Yeah, I think that it's a pretty safe pick. Uh, it almost, you know, I, at the start of the season, nobody would say that's even close to a safe pick. But, yeah, Derek and I kind of outed the odds on both the uh, the Red Sox and the Royals. And, honestly, uh, giving ourselves a little pat on the back here, Derek, I mean, we've hit a lot of the uh, the preseason predictions early on. So that just means that it's going to completely crumble right in front of us <laughs> as uh, these next couple weeks go, uh, go along, too. Um, 
for the drink side of things, uh, a team that I'm not really buying as a contender, you know, I, I had a hard time buying the twins, uh, but at least I thought of them as a team that could contend. I think now seeing how the team is just kind of a complete mess across the board, they've also had these COVID issues. You know how sometimes things just don't work out on and off of the field? Well, that's kind of what the Twins are having right now. Um, if you saw their most recent game, uh, as we're talking about the recording, they went to a 10-10 tie, of course, with the Oakland A's, and uh, then they took a lead, and then they threw the game away on what should have been the final out of the game. So uh, it's just not really trending in the Twins' direction. And, you know, it, it, only one team comes out on top, but a lot of storylines generally turn positive. So far, there's not a lot to look at outside of uh, Derek's guy, Byron Buxton, uh, that's really, truly sticking out and saying, man, this is a team that uh, can kind of compete going forward. And, and I know Derek was pretty high on this team as well. And uh, just the early going, it, there's so much time ahead, but it's not a pretty start for them, especially in a division now that a team like the Royals all of a sudden looks legit. Uh, and add to the fact that a team like the White Sox are not healthy right now, they could start to trend upward. You never know. But the Twins are not in a good position to start out 2021. Yeah, I'm going to actually go with the Houston Astros here. I, I had the Twins doing really well, and that is a little worrisome. They're starting, you mentioned, like the COVID stuff. That's not good as well. I thought as, as early as last week, like I was all in on, on Houston. And I kind of proclaimed, I was like, you know, I don't know how much it means because they're beating up on the A's. You don't look very good. Well, all of a sudden the A's have gotten hot and the Astros have gotten cold. Like now Oakland is in first to the AL West and Houston is in last. And that's just a perfect reminder of how long the MLB season is. And that even me doing this for my drank candidate, it's probably going to switch again in a week or two. Um, but it is worrisome to me that with the Astros, since that hot start where you beat up on the A's who just had a cold start to the season and, and maybe a little of that goes into maybe you just match up well with the A's. We, we saw them get by the A's in the postseason last year as well. Um, but the teams you're losing to, you know, you get swept by the Tigers, which are supposed to be one of the worst teams in the MLB. Um, you lose two out of three to the Mariners. Mariners have started, started hot, so that's not overly concerning. But then you get swept by the Rockies, too, and that's a team who's supposed to be one of the worst teams in the MLB. Not good for the Astros. And uh, what's scaring me right now, I, I thought that the lineup would be good, but the pitching staff and the depth would be just as good, if not better, for them. That hasn't really been the case to this point. The The batting has been pretty solid for Houston, although they still need uh, Kyle Tucker to, to kind of figure it out because he's hitting under the Mendoza line right now. But like, okay, uh, as far as the pitching, Zach Greinke has had a nice start to the season, but I don't know. It, it just hasn't worked so far for some of the other guys. Like Lance McCullers has looked pretty good, but uh, – Jose Urquidy has struggled a little bit so far. Jake Odorizzi has struggled after they picked him up as a free agent. So um, I am starting to get to the Astros where I'm no longer buying them as a contender and I am putting them in the drink column. Yeah, I can totally see that. And uh, I mean, for the reasons you mentioned, I, I think I kind of had forecasted it a little bit. I didn't expect them to do this though. This has been an utter train wreck to, to start out. They could almost be in what uh, this next segment is for us. Uh, where we're just simply talking about drunk at this point. I mean, it, when you look at the team, to me, that sticks out, I think it's actually pretty blatantly obvious. The, their fans are often incredibly drunk and belligerent all the time. So you got to go to the New York Yankees. Uh, what is going on in New York? I don't 
don't really know. Uh, their offense is all over the place. They still have probably the best pitcher on, on the planet, Garrett Cole, and yet they still only have six wins on the season. They're trailing by five games already in the division behind their Boston Red Sox that most people didn't expect to, you know, even make a playoff run. And uh, the Baltimore Orioles are in third place. I mean, this, this division is just all out of whack right now. Uh, but more importantly, I think something that's interesting is the Yankees' runs scored so far this season. It is incredibly low. To this date, 58 runs scored. That is by far the least amount scored in the American League. The next most is a tie between the Tigers and the Indians. And if you're tied with the Indians at 62, that is a disgusting situation. You have Jose Ramirez and nothing else. The Yankees have no reason to be hitting this poorly. Um, And they haven't even allowed that many runs. The pitching hasn't been atrocious. They've only allowed 65, but that offense has just not come together at all. Um, And it has just been an utter nightmare for them. I don't understand what's going on in New York. I knew that this team wasn't as good as a lot of people are projecting, but I also – nobody saw this coming. Nobody saw just utter destruction and humiliation. And so the Yankees fans are probably drunk sitting there saying, we're still going to win the World Series. If you're saying that right now, you are drunk because this team is not good. Okay, I'm going to go with another big market team because that would have been my first pick as well. Uh, you're 100% on on the Yankees. I'm going to go with the Chicago Cubs. Seven and nine, so the record doesn't look awful right now. But by run differential, they're 29th of 30 teams in the MLB. Certain guys who um, you would think would be right in their prime or maybe even the edge of their prime, like Javi Baez, uh, hasn't looked good. Like, I, I don't know what they do with Javi Baez because he's a free agent at the end of the year. At this point, I don't think you can really justify re-signing him. Chris Bryant has shown some nice power uh bounce back so far this year so that's good for them but you look down the lineup and and there's a lot of guys struggling right now we had worries about the pitching staff coming into the year um just a lot of guys who it's kind of trying to go the opposite way that a lot of current staffs are going where it's about spin rate and velocity and striking guys out and they're more so looking for guys who can locate and and have stuff And, you know, maybe in the long term that will be a good play because that'll be like the value way to go. But the problem is they don't really have anybody who besides Kyle Hendricks is somebody you think of who's like elite at doing that. And even Kyle Hendricks, he just got roughed up his last start. So his ERA is approaching seven. Jake Arrieta has actually been solid so far to start the season. But like all their other starters, ERA is over five. And I do love the bounce back from Craig Kimbrell. But the Chicago Cubs to me are a team that – is bordering on sort of below average that could quickly turn into bad, which could at the trade deadline eventually turn into we got a lot worse because we traded some of these guys away and we were already kind of struggling. Yeah, I'm interested to see what happens. And I, I mean, here's the thing. We had our overreactions before. These could still be looked at as overreactions. This is so early in the season. Uh, keep in mind in 2019, the Washington Nationals, we were saying the same thing about them, but I don't think the Cubs are the are, are the team that's really going to be coming out of the, the gate, you know, in the second half, making a World Series run versus a team like the Yankees. They still have the potential. I mean, it, it is very early to talk about all this, but um, while we're at it, even just a, a guy that's drunk. How about Joey Wendell, the way that he is playing? My goodness, I, I am amazed by some of these guys. And Wendell has really come out of the gate looking pretty dang good. All right, that is our drink, drink, drunk. We will update that over the course of the season. Um, Now let's get on to our shotgun six-pack. So this will be our speed round, short, quick answers, um, responding to some of these questions. 
First up, Joe Musgrove is going to be the best Padres pitcher this season. Yeah, I'm going to say yes. Uh, the way that he's opened up this season has been absolutely ridiculous. He's getting swings and misses left and right. The no-hitter, uh, that was no phony just because it was against the Texas Rangers. I mean, against the Brewers, a really hot team. Uh, the man found a way to strike out 13 and still get the loss. Uh, it's impressive what the Padres obviously have in the rotation. I'm curious to see what they do once Mackenzie Gore gets a chance, uh, how the rotation kind of functions accordingly that way. Because I think Mackenzie Gore, uh, and we were talking about this prior to the podcast, there's not a lot of pitchers that really pan out until they're around 27, 28 years old. I think Mackenzie Gore is going to be the guy that pans out as soon as he hits the league. Uh, But with that in mind, Joe Musgrove has got the most consistency moving forward. Obviously, you Darvish is going to be really good, but you have to assume there's going to be an injury along the lines. And Blake Snell looks absolutely terrible right now. Um, so I don't really know what to expect with that. But uh, to me, I would say, yeah, I, I think that Musgrove is the guy. I think Snell will figure it out. I mean, the strikeout numbers are still there. It's just he's walking like six guys per nine innings. The ERA is still like slightly over four. So it's not a total disaster there or anything. Uh, the tough one for me is, is he going to be better in the long run than you, Darvish? I'll probably still stick at this point with Darvish, but it wouldn't surprise me um, because Musgrove was really good last year. He ended up with a K per nine uh, over 12, and he ended up with an ERA at like the high threes. So this isn't just completely out of the blue for him. Um, the one thing that I would say is just, you know, I, I want to go with pedigree here because we still are just less than 20 games into the season. But I do really like what Joe Musgrove has provided, and I think he's answered any doubts that his good season last year was only because he got to pitch against NL Central teams. That has been proven, I think, so far to this point. Okay, number two, Jazz Chisholm is going to be an all-star this year. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, In fact, I think you can write it down right now that he already is. Uh, First of all, the Marlins team, I mean, when you look at it across the board, they've got a solid pitching staff. But, uh, you know, every team has to require one player. And not saying that the Marlins don't have uh, players that could be all-stars, but Chisholm's got the most high-powered potential. He's hitting the ball out of this world right now, slugging over 600. Um, and he's just an exciting player too. I think he's one that maybe the youth will kind of wrap their heads around. I mean, the guy's got blue hair. Come on now. Uh, but uh, Chisholm's really broken out, and I think he surprised people like me too. So I, he would get a vote for me just because of the fact that, you know, I kind of counted him out based off of the early stats, and it, it just goes to show that prospects be prospects. That doesn't mean they're not going to pan out. It just it, – sometimes the time frame's a little different, and it looks like we're seeing Jazz really pan out uh, and I think he's here for real. Yeah, he's super exciting, um, too. Just the way he plays, he steals bases. We don't see that a ton. He's super fast. And, you know, he he's a little boom bust. Like, he'll make some mistakes in the field. Um, but, yeah, the power is there. And the power was always there in the minors. He just didn't always have the average. He was like a low 200 hitter uh, several years in the minors. But so far, if he can keep hitting just – I mean, right now he's hitting 326, which that's not going to continue. But if he can just hit even like 250, if he hits 250 with the power he shows, that could be a 25 home run guy. And he's obviously going to get the steals to go with it because he's one of the fastest players in the MLB. And when he hits home runs, he smashes it. You go look at his player profile, like his exit velocity numbers, hard hit rates, his barreling. Like he's in the 100th percentile right now of barreling up baseballs. His barrel rate so far this year, is 27.6%. So over the quarter of the time, he's barreling up the baseball. And what's crazy about that, I'm pretty sure the league average is like 
So he is, he is doing like four times the amount of what the league average will do. Surely that'll go down over the course of the season. But I think I agree with you. Like even when some of those numbers regress a little bit, like the average and the barrel rate and stuff, he's still going to be good enough and exciting enough to me that I think he is going to be an all-star for this team, which is really cool for them, especially after it looked like they completely whiffed on that Zach Gallon trade. Now if Jess Chisholm does become an all-star, then it looks like at least both teams got something useful out of the trade. Do you have a, a comp for Jazz Chisholm? Because to me, and I've been telling everybody this, for whatever reason, his approach at the plate, it's, it reminds me of Didi Gregorius. And then when he's on the base paths, it's almost like a, a Juan Pierre. Like, he's just super quick. But it's what interesting was- because the power is, is so much different than – I mean, I guess Didi has some good power. So maybe that's, that's a good comparison. Yeah, it's, it's almost like some, somebody completely different than both those guys because – it is such the weird combination of the two of them. It's almost like, you know, if, if you told me that Adam Dunn all of a sudden is going to be like uh, Usain Bolt with his legs, which is going to help him leg out a couple infield singles to help the average a little bit. It, it's a really weird combination, but he is really exciting to watch. All right, number three, the Oakland A's, somebody I mentioned earlier, they bounced back from losing all those games to the Astros early in the season. Now they're first in the AL West. They are actually a true American League contender. I don't think so. And I, I haven't been high on the A's at the start. They're riding a really incredible win streak. Uh, yeah, if you're an Oakland fan, you can boo me all you want in your car right now. But uh, the reality is this. I, I don't expect the Astros to make an ascension up in that division, but I think the Mariners are actually for real. And so when you deal with the Mariners, especially before uh, Jared Kalenic gets called up, uh, once the Mariners get fully healthy, I mean, with the way that Ty France has been hitting, I just really like the collective group that they've had. And you, you can ask Derek, for whatever reason, I've always kind of clung to the Mariners and the White Sox. And so at some point in time, I have to be right about one of those two teams. And so I, I just think that the Mariners are the team that's probably going to win that division. And if it's not them, I think that the Angels are probably honestly more cut out. I, I just don't see the A's being a team that's going to make a move at the deadline if they have to. I, I, and there's not a lot of depth there as well. Um, you got the ages of, you know, Jed Lowry hitting in the three hole. To me, that doesn't sustain. They're riding a really impressive streak. It's, it's awesome to watch. But I think you get a mix of what you saw in the first week and what you're seeing now uh, for the A's, which is maybe, you know, five, six games above 500 at the end of the year. I, I just don't really see this team, though, being a playoff contender. I, I think there's better teams in the American League. I'd rather have the Blue Jays still even with their slow start. Um, and I think the White Sox with their slow start will still be a team that can secure a wild, wild card spot at the very least. And let's not forget about the Royals. So to me, the A's, they'll be on the outside looking in, but I don't think that they get in. Yeah. So I definitely overreacted to the one and uh, seven start to the season. And I, I get it, but I'm still not buying them as an AL contender. And I will say this for them. I mean, You've won 11 straight games. You're 12 and seven overall. And that's even with Matt Chapman hitting 179, Ramon Laureano hitting 206, uh, Sean Murphy hitting 158, uh, Stephen Piscotti. He's only hitting 222 right now. So you could say there's even room for improvement for those guys. I have not been overly impressed with the pitching staff. I, I think there's a lot of talented arms and potential there, but I. Like, I, I don't trust that Shamanaya is going to end with a low three ZRA. I think he's shown over the course of his career, he is a consistent, like, kind of four or five ERA guy, which is solid, but it's it's lower than he's at now. Chris Bassett, I think he's he's a solid pitcher. Uh, but Frankie Montas, Jesus Lazardo, they haven't figured it out yet. Um, 
and I, I don't know. Like, I, I would feel weird doing a complete heel turn after they start one and seven, all of a sudden an 11-game win streak, and now they go from being one of the worst teams in the MLB through the first eight games to being one of the best teams in the MLB. So I'll say they're, they're good now. I, I would expect them to finish above 500, but no. I, we've seen better A's teams, in my opinion, not be able to get it done in the playoffs, so I'm not going to pick them to be a true AL contender just yet. Okay, Corbin Burns. This is a guy you brought up when you mentioned Milwaukee as your drink team. Corbin Burns is now not only in the running for the NL Cy Young, he is the NL Cy Young front runner. And by the way, the same manager who benched Ryan McMahon should be shot out of another cannon for trading his pick that he could have taken Burns with in our draft this year and instead traded it away to uh, get Casey Mize. That manager needs to be shot out of a cannon and sent into a rocket all the way to Pluto. I mean, with the way that he's been managing, it's an utter nightmare. Let's just put it that way. And for those of you that are listening at home, this manager clearly has no idea what he's doing. But uh, to get to Corbin Burns, the man of the hour, uh, this guy has been absolutely dominant. Uh, it's sad that he's only 2-1. and one. This guy should be a perfect 4-0 with the way that he's pitched. His ERA is .37. His whip is basically the same. It's at .329. Uh, and more importantly, he's getting the strikeouts. He's got 40 Ks and 24 and a third innings pitched. Uh, that's good for a, a K per nine of 14.8. So basically 15 Ks per game, Derek, which is absolutely ludicrous when you think about that. I mean, it, guys like Garrett Cole – Max Scherzer, they don't even touch that. They're, they're close. They're usually in the 13s. Um, Justin Verlander kind of was always in that same spot. Corbin Burns is at an elite level right now as a 26-year-old. And as I mentioned previously in this podcast, really the only thing that is going to hurt him at this point is literally what hurts him, injuries. In injuries might be the only thing that sets him back uh, because – that we should not be shocked by what he's doing here. Last season, his ERA of 211. Um, the, the trend was obviously going to go in the right direction there. I think a lot of people forget how good of a rookie season he had as well. He was 7-0, and had a 2.61 ERA. It's just that in 2019, he blew up and uh, really didn't have nearly as many opportunities, only started four games. And so now that he has the chance to go out every five days and start a game, and do what he's doing. I mean, he's allowed only one home run this entire time. And it's just been remarkable to see his his consistency. And uh, he's been bailed out a little bit by the defense. If you saw the Brewers series against the Padres, there was some incredible defense. But defense only comes when your pitcher is able to make the right pitches. And so Corbin Burns has been able to do that. And let's not forget, too, this offseason he got married. So maybe it's uh, the post-wedding stress. I think Derek probably can relate to that more than I can. Uh, but uh, the man's a married man, and he's married to the game as well. Yeah, I came out on my honeymoon. I was uh, throwing 95 on the radar gun, and then it went away like a week later. I don't know what happened. But uh, Corbin Burns, it's not just the 40 strike. He has zero walks. He set an MLB record for most strikeouts without a, raw, a walk to start the season. I, I mentioned this number in the offseason. It's ERA+, plus, which um, it, it's a statistic to gauge your ERA compared to the league average ERA that season, and then it's adjusted to players' ballparks. So if you play in Coors Field, it's obviously – um, there's, it's going to be weighted to help you a little bit. Whereas if you play in like a pitcher's ballpark, it's maybe going to lower your metric a little bit. And this also is a metric that allows you to compare to other people because it is based on the league ERA that year. So like if you're in the steroid era, you have a comparison of, well, this pitching season was more dominant than a pitching season, not in the steroid era, even though the ERA was higher just because it was harder. So, and so forth. Um, last year, 
I think I mentioned that Trevor Bauer and Shane Bieber both had ERA pluses of like over 200, which were historically like two of the, the best seasons ever. And it was a shortened season, so you take it with a grain of salt. And that was over 200. Just to put into perspective how well of a start this has been for Corbin Burns, his ERA plus is 1,107. That is absolutely ridiculous. He's given up three hits per nine innings. He hasn't walked anybody. You mentioned he's not given up any home runs. He's striking everybody out. This is basically like the equivalent if you went and played a video game and turned it on rookie as a pitcher. Like that is what he's doing right now. So I absolutely do think he is the front runner at this point in time. Now, will he be able to handle it? Because he hasn't ever pitched, um, you know, for the long run, at least in terms of his MLB career. I, I don't know about his minor league stats, but in the MLB, the most he's pitched was last season in terms of innings. That was 59 and two third innings pitched. So will he be in it for the long haul? I don't know, but certainly right now he is deserving to be at the front runner there. I, I think that we also need to give some credit to uh, a couple other guys that are putting up numbers that are closer than that, but Burns has been out of this world, but don't forget about Tyler Glass now. Uh, Carlos Rodon with his no hitter. And then of course, Jacob DeGrom has still been as dominant as always. Derek, if you had a, uh, an all-star matchup already, National League, American League, who's uh, starting on the hill for either side? Well, I mean, just as I said, like Corbin Burns has to be the guy in the National League. Um, I mean, I kind of want to go with Shane Bieber in the American League. Like, he's putting up crazy strikeout numbers so far, too. Um, See, it's, it's funny, though, because, like, Jacob DeGrom's had a great start to the season, and you can't put him over Corbin Burns. But, yeah, I, I'd probably go with Burns against Bieber. I think that's a pretty good one. I would say Burns, Musgrove, too. Burns Glass now. Burns Glass now is the one I'd want to see. Yeah, that's the other one. Strikeout potential. Glass now's ERA is under one as well. So, uh, I mean, good starts. As we had talked about before, we're going to see a lot of change, obviously, over time. And uh, maybe we'll see my man Carlos Rodon uh, toe the rubber come the All-Star game. definitely a possibility after that big no hitter okay on to number five on a scale of one to ten what's your worry level for fernando tatis i would say with one being no worries and ten being i'm incredibly frightened and i should trade him immediately i'm probably at a 1.5 or a two i i'm not too worried his health is a concern but he's young he is still able to produce, and his first uh, hit, I believe, was a home run when he returned from the IL. So, you know he's got it in him. Yeah, there, there is some concern for the initial numbers as well. His numbers aren't looking too pretty early on, but this guy is still a generational talent. He's surrounded by guys that are incredibly talented. The Padres have been very underwhelming so far this season. Uh, kind of shocking. I, I don't think a lot of people saw that coming, but – I'm not too worried about Tatis at all, to be honest with you. I I think that he's going to figure it out over time. There's plenty of guys that are in major slumps right now. Trevor Story isn't even hit a home run yet at this point in the season. And we all know that Trevor Story is still one of the best players in the league. So to me, I I think that my fear of Tatis is incredibly low. I wouldn't even call it a fear. I think it's just something to monitor. Uh, And I think that, you know, in a month from now, we're not even going to be talking about that. We'll probably be talking about the guy that's, you know, in the running for an MVP, possibly, if, if he can stay healthy. That's the key. So I'm a little worried just because, I mean, there is the past history of, of some of the injuries. And now I, I saw something that he was looking at changing his swing, but kind of changing from being like a, a one-arm swinger to a two-arm swinger um, in the follow-through. And 
you know, long-term, maybe that'll help him with some of the injuries. But, I mean, how often do you see guys who have back injuries who just say, oh, I'm completely healed now? You know, like I, I had back injuries in the past. It's never popped up again. So that does scare me a little bit. Now, uh, as far as like a worry level, no, it's not very high. Maybe it's like a two or three because I'm worried a little bit about the injury and I am worried a little bit. Maybe that's a little alarming uh, calling for a change of swing. But players change their swings or adjust their swings all the time. So, no, I'm, I'm not overly concerned with Tatis. Last one, the guy who is on the cover of MLB The Show is Fernando Tatis. Our last one, MLB The Show is the best current going sports game on the market. I'm going to let you start with this one, Derek, because I think, uh, you know, Derek and I were in a group chat. And uh, unfortunately, you know, this past couple of weeks, it's been a little crazy around my parts. Uh, for those of you that uh, are inter- interested in crime cases, we've had the biggest crime probably in, in the history of the city with Kristen Smart, uh, a case that's gone on for 25 years. So I have not even actually purchased the game yet, but I have seen and I have seen plenty of videos and more so pictures of what Derek is doing. Uh, Derek decided to put dinosaurs in his outfield. He decided to make his center field almost a triangle, I guess is the best way to put it. So, you know, for me, I can't give you the gameplay yet, but uh, Derek, you know what? This is all you, buddy. You take it away, my guy. Okay, so first answer to the question, Madden is trash, so that's not going to be up there. If NCAA football was still a thing, like, yeah, that would probably take the case. It is. It's coming back. Well, yes, yes. So hopefully that'll be back in whatever, a year or two, and and that'll be number one here. Um, I think NBA 2K for a lot of people would be number one, but I know a lot of people didn't like the newest iteration. For me, it is MLB The Show. I think they have the cleanest, like the Diamond Dynasty mode, if you compare it to like Ultimate Team and these other sports, I think is the best. I know a lot of people like FIFA too, but that to me is kind of like Madden. It feels like the same game every year and they make a few tweaks and it's really the same game. Um, I, I love the game. And this year they added the, yeah, the stadium creator, which you mentioned. I'm having so much fun with that. I'm, it's almost like, you know, like a roller coaster tycoon, but like building a stadium. Like I, I'm having so much fun just doing that. There's so many options on it. I have like a stadium where there's like a UFO in center field and there's like the arch, which is like going in the middle of the ocean for some reason. There's like the, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm doing all sorts of fun stuff. So Derek's uh, so, a married man. I must add Derek's a married man and his wife enjoys my free time. Yeah. So, uh, yes, I love the new game and, uh, yeah, I guess that was basically like a free ad for it. But yes, I would say right now it is the best current going sports game on the market, at least the like 2021 version. All right, it's closing time here. Don't forget to subscribe to us. Give us a five-star review. We're on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Audible. You can also give us a follow on social media. We're at Booze and Baseball. That's at Booze and Baseball. And you can reach out to our email, boozeandbaseball at gmail.com to ask any questions or suggest some alcohol to review. Thanks to Mix Kit for the stock music. Thanks to Man Cave Merch for our coasters, which always hold our awesome drinks. The awesome baseball cards in the coasters. Drink responsibly and have a good one. For Dusty Baker, I'm Derek Johnson. Bye. Take care.